If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them out at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be here on Palm Sunday with you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where uh, God is telling you to do something and what he's asking you to do, it seems crazy. Maybe it seems a little scary. Maybe it even seems impossible. I remember for me, one of the uh, first times uh, I ever had a chance at a big promotion in my career, uh, I had an interview for that. And what that interview would look like is I would be going and sitting in front of a panel of people. And these people represented most of the United States at all these different locations they oversaw. Um, and so I was going into interview for that. And the night before, as I was prepping, I felt God tell me, don't worry about interviewing for the job. I want you to talk to them about Jesus. Tell them about me. Now, I don't know what emotion that puts inside of you, but what it put in me was something we refer to in our family as nervous excitement. Nervous excitement was a term invented by my daughter, and she's like, Dad, it's like, it's when I'm nervous and I'm excited. It's nervous excited. And so this is the emotion that I was experiencing. I was excited because I thought, man, this is really cool. Man, what if people respond? I mean, who knows what Jesus is going to do in this room? This could be cool. And then I was nervous because the reality is I'm thinking this is my career and the Bible does teach that it's good to work. And actually that if you don't work, that ruin comes on you quickly. And so I'm in this situation where I feel like I'm supposed to lift this thing up, my career up, and I'm supposed to, to say something. I'm supposed to do something. And it, and it was tricky. Maybe that's going on in your life right now. Maybe you have nervous excitement over something God's asking you to do. Maybe it's a big change that's coming in your life. Or, or maybe it's as simple as just, well, sounds simple, talking to somebody about Jesus. Maybe even on your heart, you know who you're supposed to be talking to. But man, that, that is intimidating. You're like, I to open my mouth and talk to them. And, and maybe if you're here today and you haven't really even been in a church, this is a big step just stepping into this room today. And that's even some nervousness about doing that. And in these steps that, that um, seem impossible, they can be scary, they can be thrilling, stepping into the thing God's call us into, um, it, it can be tricky. And so I want us, I'm excited to look at this Palm Sunday passage this morning because I think it really lays out how to lean into God and what he's doing really, really well. 
Um, and before we look, if you are newer to the Bible, I just Palm Sunday, uh, he did a great job saying what Palm Sunday is. But the other thing that's interesting is it's called Palm Sunday. Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. I don't know if Jerusalem is this way or what way, but Jesus, whatever direction, and we'll pretend like it's this way. Jesus is heading this way. He's heading uh, towards Jerusalem and he's heading to uh, his eventual death and then his resurrection, which is what we celebrate on Easter. And so he's heading and people are putting out the palm branches. And, and, uh, and if you are taking notes or, or if you're just wanting to explore this story more, I did want to put up on the screen real quick. This is found in Matthew, which is what we're going to read today, but it's also in Luke, Mark, John. And only about 10 times are, is the same story told in all four of the Gospels. It's written by four different authors, and so you can get these different perspectives looking in and reading this story. Let's jump into Matthew, though, starting at verse 1, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples right out of the gate. I love on this Palm Sunday message that Jesus is going to send two people right out of the gate. People are being used by God. He's sending out two people. And there's a key to being used that's in this passage. And actually, anytime somebody is used by Jesus or directed by Jesus, you can find this theme continuing through. Let's think of a few of them together. If you think about the woman of the well, if you've heard that story, she might even be somebody who might not be fitting in, but she has this time with Jesus. And as a result, she goes and brings her entire town out to meet Jesus which is pretty impressive. Um, there's a spot where Jesus actually turns water to wine. I want to be able to do this party trick. This would be cool. I would be invited to every party everywhere. And if it's your youth party, I would make it soda. Don't worry. <laughs> but, but here, what's interesting about this story, the people that Jesus uses here are just the waiters that are there. It's the staff that's there on hand. And he's like, hey, take the water and pour it into here. And I want you to do this and take this cup and do this. Jesus is just working through the people that are there. In Mark 5, you find a guy that has demons in him and Jesus cast him into pigs, which is pretty awesome. And so this guy, it's first day being set free and knowing Jesus. And Jesus right away says, hey, go tell people about me. He sends them out. And then there's a spot where Jesus sends out 70 disciples all at once. And I'm telling you, this is so cool because what they get to do, he's like, hey, here's what you get to do. Go out and go into town and heal everybody you come across that's sick and then just proclaim the kingdom of God is here. I mean, how cool would that be if that's the direction? You're just running through town. You're like, you're healed. You go to the hospitals. Hey, good news, you're healed. You're healed. Hey, you in the room down there, you're healed. The kingdom's here. And you're just running and healing everywhere you're going, right? And the kingdom of God is here. That's a fun one. And then finally, we're in our Palm Sunday message and we see Jesus again. He's sending out two people. He's sending them. And every single person in this story has one common denominator. To be used by God, they must be in his presence. If we are gonna be used by God, we have to be with Jesus. We have to be in his presence, captivated by him. And I'd say probably for most of us in here, that's what we want, that's what we desire. So what keeps us from being in his presence? Maybe it's your belief in yourself and you think I'm not qualified. Maybe it's we have a little too much confidence and we can find it's easy for us just to go through life and using our gifts and our strengths and we forget to slow down and, and look to God and pray to him and ask for help. 
Maybe it's our fear of what others will think of us. Man, if I do this thing, God's telling me, if I talk to this person, what are they gonna think? Or how's it gonna impact them? Or I don't know, it seems pretty. Maybe we're worried about persecution coming our way for these things that God is asking us to do. Or maybe you're here and you've grown up in an environment of religion. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've been places, maybe you've been around the Bible. But the reality is this thought of a real relationship, of talking to God and him talking to you just seems like a foreign, it just seems like that. I don't, that's a big leap. That's a big risk. I don't know. Maybe it's just the busyness in life that you have going through life. But according to every single one of these events, Jesus wants to use the people that are in his presence. Jesus wants to use you and Jesus wants to use me. Doesn't have to be complicated. It's just looking to God, talking to him, asking for his guidance. My wife and I have the honor of serving on the prayer team in Kirkwood. And uh, I always, I love, I love the, the musicians and how gifted they are and how easy it is for me to set my attention on God. And one morning we just had a great morning of, of praise and then the preach came in and the preach was super encouraging. And I remember we were walking back to the prayer team and to go pray. And as I'm walking back, I'm literally like, man, this is such a good morning. And I love Jubilee Church. And, and it, not that we're perfect. I'm not saying that. I just was in appreciation for men. I love that this is a church that wants to pray, that wants to be a people that connect to God. And I'm thinking about the people that because I'm part of this community, God's put in my life. And I'm just walking back, just appreciative of what God is doing. My wife, meanwhile, her name's Bridget. She's walking right next to me. And Bridget is looking at her phone and she's mumbling and walking back there. Turns out she was praying. And we get back there and uh, it's time you know, for communion and prayer. And as a person walks up, they just walk right up to my wife they collapse in her arms. They start crying and my wife embraces them. And she says, hey, I don't know your situation, but God gave me. She wasn't just looking at her phone. She was talking to her God. She was entering into his presence and she was looking at her Bible on the phone. And she said, hey, I don't know what your situation is, but God gave me something to tell you. She starts reading the scripture and the woman begins to weep and they begin to pray. And this God moment happens right in front of my eyes. See, I was on the prayer team. We can come to service. We can read our Bibles. But the key is that we have to be in Jesus' presence. We have to be looking to Jesus. Otherwise, we're just reduced to really nice people doing really nice things. I do want to say, if you're new here, not new here, but even new to Christianity, to Jesus. I just want to encourage you with this. It's so good. Jesus is so good. And there's freedom for here to explore. We're excited you're here because you find all through the Bible, even in this story, you find different types of people responding to Jesus. Some people are like kind of far away, just kind of watching, but they're paying attention to Jesus. Some people are like so captivated. They're like going wherever he goes, sleeping wherever he sleeps. Like they're, they're engaged. Then there's some people actually take the step of interacting with God. And then there's people who, who are encountering God so close that they're close to him. They're tight-knit to him. And I got to tell you, every step of the way on the journey, man, it just gets better and better and better and better. So if you're newer, I want to encourage you, man, keep coming to things like this. Keep putting yourself, that's what I mean by putting yourself in God's presence. Find people who are Christians and ask them, hey, what do you think about this? And why does this? And, and just put yourself because life with God is so sweet. And it's a nervous side at a time for you. <laughs> if you are just exploring and reaching in 
to God. Now, let's take a peek at the next spot in this passage and see what is it that God actually sends these people to do. Check this out. Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. It continues a few verses down. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. And by the way, a colt is uh, not, I thought it was a horse. A colt is a, is a baby donkey. So it's a mom and a baby just to help. And they put on, uh, and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Now, have you ever slowed down to really think about this story? David, who's our location pastor in Kirkwood, he, when he was preaching a few weeks ago, he said, hey, one of the things that's good to do when you're reading the Bible is to put yourself into the story. Picture what it's like to be in the story in the moment. So if we pause and do that at what we just read, this is what it would be like. It would be like Jesus looking at you and he's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. Not in the town we're in, but I want you to go to a different town And when you get there, I just want you to take somebody's primary mode of transportation that they have sitting out front. And as you're taking it, if by the way, they should stop you and say, hey, why are you taking the primary? Uh, You just look at them, you say, oh, it's the Lord that needs them. This is the plan Jesus is giving you. Now you are probably walking into that town and in your mind, you're sitting there going, okay, so the owner's gonna respond. I mean, put it in today's times. What we're expecting is that somebody's going to be walking outside to mow the lawn. And then there's two people walking up to their car and they're like, yo, 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 bro, bro. Hey, hey, what are you doing to my car? Oh, don't worry. Lord needs it. (laughs) Hop in. And it says the response of the person is supposed to be cool. Mowing the lawn. Doing the thing. This is the plan Jesus gives. And the crazy thing is it works. Man, if they had done this on a different day without Jesus, they'd be forced out of town. They'd be arrested for stealing. Who knows what would be happening to them? Why does this crazy plan work? It's because when Jesus is directing, his provision is there. When God is putting this thing on your heart, it's not that it's for you. It's for his will. Jesus is saying, go, and my provision is always there for my will. I ask, what is God directing you to do? I don't know what it is, but here's the good news. Whatever it is, his provision is there for you. And that's why at the heart, we have to be a people who are connected to our God, who are putting our focus, our attention on him so we can be part of the God moments. What would it be like if we really were, I mean, really, We're really a people that we're about putting Jesus first, talking to him, seeking him, asking him to reveal. When we open the Bible, it's not just to do a study or whatever, but it's literally, God, show me what I need to know to help me in this. Speak to me today as I open your Bible. What if as we go into our schools, our workplaces, and our neighborhoods, what if whatever things we were doing, we're talking to God? God, it's great to be doing this. What are we doing today? Where are we going? What are we doing? What if the cry of our heart was, God, speak to me. I don't want to do life without your direction, without you. And we were to start to put our focus on Jesus. Here's the good news. One of the best parts of putting our focus on Jesus. Jesus is a great leader. 
He is a great example for us to imitate. I mean, have you, don't, don't let your brain go here too long. Have you ever had a bad leader in your life? Don't focus on that because you'll forget what we're saying. You'll start thinking about, but the reason I bring it up is if you've had a bad leader, a bad manager in life, when you have a good leader or a good manager, it makes you appreciate them so much more because on the inside, you're like, oh man, look at their attitude. Look at their heart. It makes you want to follow them. And the good leaders in their lives, in our lives, they may not even be doing the same thing that we're doing, but they're expressing the how we do it, the why we do it. And if you've studied Jesus for any time at all, you will see he is a perfect leader. He demonstrates the how and the why. He demonstrates obedience to God, being led by the Spirit, being faithful, paying attention to what Scripture says. Matter of fact, let's continue reading in our story. Check out what it says. And by the way, it starts by saying this took place to fulfill. Um, And when it's saying that, what took place to fulfill? We just read they went and got donkeys. So they went and got donkeys. This took place to fulfill what is spoken by the prophet saying. And it begins to quote the Bible. So why did Jesus send them? Because the Bible says to do it. Zechariah 9, Ezekiel 62 is what this is quoting. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of the beast of burden. Jesus sends his people to get donkeys because he is obedient to his father's will. He's obedient to the Bible, guiding him in life. And this is really, really significant, not just because in this moment he is heading to Jerusalem to die, which is crazy significant, probably the most significant journey any person's ever made. He is heading to willfully die to willfully be raised from the dead so that you and I could experience life with God. But it's also important to note that as Jesus is heading here, this is a change in a teeny bit because up to this point in life, Jesus has always been avoiding death. It's like he's been in a war zone his whole life. Here's what I mean by that. If you think back to the Christmas story that we like to focus on and tell our kids, it's a great story, true story, love it, right? But think about this. Jesus is born... And the response is, there's a guy named Herod, and Herod seeks to kill Jesus instantly. He sends this elite squad of guys to go find him and kill him. And the response, it's interesting, the reason Jesus isn't killed, his parents are told, hey, go to the town of Egypt and go hide. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do something, and it doesn't necessarily seem like it seems a little crazy. Maybe we wouldn't even define it as noble, but it's noble because God's directing us. We gotta be a people that do what he's asking. And so here, here his parents go to save him. They go into hiding. And the, the wise men that we hear in the Christmas story, that a dream comes to them that they're supposed to avoid Herod. And so they take a different route and they go out. God is speaking to them. And so Jesus literally grows up in life as a young child. He is avoiding death. If you are young in here, there's a few young people in here, and I just remember school, man, if you're feeling rejected, or no matter who we're in here, if anybody in here is feeling rejected, Jesus can relate all the way from a young age all the way up. He's rejected for being born, and here's what's incredible. This people trying to kill him continues through Jesus' life. In John chapter eight, you find it says this, people go to pick up stones to stone Jesus. And they're probably looking at like, how big of a stone do I want or whatever? And while they're literally picking out their stones to kill Jesus, it says Jesus sneaks out. He just gets away. And then just two chapters later, I'm not talking like, oh, one other time. I mean, just right after that, another situation, 
People are going to stone Jesus. And this is why it's important. We, we allow God to lead us. We look to him, we pray, we ask him for leadership. Same situation. So you might think, oh, God's gonna do the same thing every time. Same situation, God deals with it differently. They actually pick up the stones this time. And this time, being led by the spirit, Jesus tells him to put him down and talks him out of stoning him. And it's, I don't know what he says. It's not recorded there. I don't know if he's like, no, that one's too small. That one's not gonna get me. And now you can barely hold that one. Put that one down or, you know, whatever it is, Jesus talks him out. And then they are agreed, okay, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Hey, let's get him arrested so he can die. And as they're going in a commotion to get people to arrest him, he escapes. Jesus has spent his whole life and hiding. And I know a little bit what this is like and a teeny bit. When I was in middle school age, uh, my parents were uh, separated and custody of me would depend on whatever state the person was living in, the laws of that state and that kind of thing. And there was a period where my dad had custody for a short time, but the spouse that he was with, it was not a good situation for me. It was dangerous. And so my mom, what she did, she actually took me and we went on the run and we spent several years running. And with today's technology, I mean, this was this is going to, okay, all the young people are going to check out now. This is before the internet. So uh, they're like, wow, you are really old, dude. Uh, so I don't think we could even get away with what we did back then, but, but we began to go on the run. And so my mom protected me till a time when it was safe. And, and I, re, I remember one time um, we had three different last names we'd use depending on school. We never stayed anywhere more than two months. We had all these things. I remember one time it was just a fire drill was all it was. And you were supposed to go line up by your last name in the hallway. And everybody's talking about how goofy this is, whatever. And I'm having a panic attack because I'm like, which last name did we use? I'm trying to remember. I remember being on a stairwell once and I'm peeking, it's about one or two in the morning, it's the middle of the night, and I'm looking down the stairs, and my mom is at the door with police officers there. And I don't, it's, it's almost like a scene from like Star Wars where like, there are no droids here, you know? Somehow she's like being kind to them, but she's convincing them, why are you waking up the household in the middle of the night? Of course that person's not here, go out of here. And it works, they turn around, and in the middle of the night, we're just throwing stuff in our bags and we are gone because we know they're gonna come back pretty quick. And Jesus has spent his whole life in a situation where people are out to kill him. And now, all of a sudden in the story we're reading, he's got a change of heart. He is willfully, purposefully heading towards his death. Think about the power of this moment, a whole life doing things one way, and now he's heading. Why the change? Why now I'm going to go die? It's because he's being obedient. He's being led by God. He's going to impact people. We have to be obedient. We have to be a people that are led by God. If you're doing on Jubilee on our website, we have a Lent devotional that's happening right now. And if you're participating in that, I'm gonna give you a quick peek into what it, our verse is for today on Palm Sunday. It says this, for God to become man, he didn't strip himself of deity. He didn't stop being God. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being in the form of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then the thoughts go on to say, he didn't leave his deity behind. Rather, he wasn't grasping. He was serving. He was humbling. He was submitting himself willingly to the father's will. What changes his course of action? Obedience to God. If you're in the room today, here's good news. Every day is a fresh day. 
Every day is a fresh start to put yourself in God's presence, to look to God, to allow him to lead you. Speaking of your response, let's look at the last part of our our, uh, verse that we're reading here on Palm Sunday. Look at the response of the people that were following them. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And here's, you got to understand, historically, and even through scripture, you can find this in the, in the Old Testament as well, somebody that's really high honor, and I mean really esteemed of honor, you're taking your cloak, you're taking your possession, and you're putting it down as a form of honoring them. So people are taking their own items and saying, man, you're worthy of honor. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. These are the palm branches. Um, And what's interesting about the palm branch, Dylan hit on it early, but you can find in the Old Testament, for seven days, the people of God are celebrating with palm branches, singing and celebrating because it's a sign of rejoicing. In Revelation, it gives the picture of us in the future. And it says, we're gonna be before him with palm branches, celebrating and saying, Jesus, the Lord, he's a great God. These represent a celebration. And so both their lives are submitting to them they're putting down their cloaks. They're putting down the palm branches. And it says, and the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I love seeing the people of God together, making a public proclamation. I love it to hear things of people, stories at Kirkwood and hear of people who are stepping out and doing things and God is moving. It's so encouraging to see people who are allowing God to use them. One thing that's interesting about the people making this decision, it goes against the cultural norms of the day to publicly be declaring Jesus. Remember, Jesus is riding in from the east right now. And I remember I didn't know which direction that was, but he's riding in from the east. History records that somebody else rode in on the west. And it was actually every time on that exact day for years because they're about to do a Passover event. So in Jerusalem, there's a lot of things happening. And the guy coming in on the east, you've probably heard his name before. His name is Pontius Pilate. He's the Roman prefect, which in our terms means he's a Roman governor. He's appointed by the emperor of Rome and he's given the power of supreme judge. So basically he can order criminal executions and we see him doing that later in scripture. And his duties included things that were mundane like tax collecting and and construction projects. But perhaps the most crucial thing that uh, he did was maintaining law and order. And Pontius Pilate was known that if he couldn't negotiate things, if he couldn't negotiate a situation, he wasn't afraid to do it by brute force. And this is how tradition could go. On this day, riding in from the West, Pontius Pilate and the person before him who held that position would come in riding in all their military garb and behind him would be the soldiers stomping him, following him and all of their, and then the cavalry coming in, riding in behind him in this display of might and power coming in from the West side and banners showing allegiance to Rome and then behind them drummers and and it was the show of imperial might and power. And it was to say, look at the Roman Empire. Man, it almost sounds like another scene from Star Wars, the Empire. But 
you know, they're riding in and might and power. And right at the beginning of this religious celebration and the message that he's sending to the culture of the day is, hey, listen, we're coming in today because this is a big thing that you guys do. And I know that you look back in history and you remember what God's done, but I want to remind you by brute force if I need it, that you will submit because you are a citizen of Rome and you have an emperor. And so the decision had to be made by people that day. Which side would they publicly support? Would they support the Roman government? Would they support being a citizen? Would they support the current political party of the day and the ideology of that time to their societal norms? Or would they bow and honor Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth? And it was pretty hard for some people. Look at this, Luke chapter nine says this, when the days drew near for him, it's talking about Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem. So he's heading to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him. Why didn't they receive Jesus? Because his face was set towards Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus is looking and going right at the heart of culture, right in the middle of it all, right in the heart of the religious things of the day, right in the heart of the political system. Jesus heads in to make an impact. And I think God would want us today to be a people that boldly head right into the heart of everything in our world and make an impact. I just want to give some real easy, practical ways that you can do that. Inside of your red bulletins that are there, there's an invitation to Easter. There's probably some extras out here. You can grab some of those and say, God, who are we inviting this week? You can go invite people with those. If you've been here a while, you may have heard us talk about Bless. There's a sermon series you can listen to on that. And it's great because the first one is B, which is what we're talking about, being in the presence of God so he can lead you. It's begin with prayer. And then as God's directing you, you're gonna listen to people, eat with them, share life. You're gonna serve them as God's directing. And then you're gonna make that public proclamation. You're gonna share your story of Jesus in your life. As we close, let's look at how the people responded. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, listen to this, the whole city was stirred up. Man, if we'll grab hold of this, if we will be a people, we will stir up things in others. It will be so good to be used in this way, this nervous-sided way that God wants to use us. As we close, what's your proclamation gonna be? A life where your focus, your chief focus is, man, I wanna follow God. And really another way to say it is, which leader are we gonna follow in our lives? The Pontius Pilate of today, that's all about themselves and the might and the power. Simple way to ask yourself is, how would people around me define me if they knew me? Would they just say, oh, they're a good parent? Oh, they, they definitely belong to this political party. This is what they represent. They say, oh man, they're a great student. Look at their grades. What is, what's the thing you're proclaiming? Would they look and say, no, this one, this is a follower of Jesus. That's the leader that we want to look to. Man, here's what I know about them. Yeah, they're good at school. They're good at what, but at the heart of that person, man, they love this Jesus guy. That's what we want our heart, our proclamation to be. That's what we want to be a people that are known for. If I could have the band come back up here, and as they do, if you could go ahead and stand up. 
As we close, I just want to encourage us with this. God is here with us right now today. And you have an opportunity, if you don't know him today, as we begin to sing, you have an opportunity to just talk to him and just say, God, help, help be real to me. Reveal yourself to me. If you're real, show yourself. And if you're in here this morning and anything I've said is resonating with you, even if it's not, God's worthy. Just put your focus on him this morning as we begin to sing some more. Just put your attention in and ask God. Put yourself in his presence, just like they do in this story, and say, God, send me. Use me. God, highlight things in my heart you want to do. God, this morning I'm coming to you fresh. God, where would you send me? What would you have me change? What would you have me do? Father, I want to follow you. This morning, his presence is here. Connect with him and let's let him lead us.